0: creators of relevant magazine this is the relevant podcast
1: It's Friday, September 7th, 2018, and it's the relevant podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios, our illustrious engineer on the ones and twos, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. Uh, On the Skype line, back where he belongs in Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. (laughs) On the uh, Skype line from Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. And joining us all the way from a mile away from Tyler, (laughs) (laughs) author, speaker, podcaster, Annie F. Downs.
2: Good morning, gents.
3: Whenever I drive by the church there, Annie, I give a little. While. I know you're not in there all the time. Oh, maybe you are. Maybe I think she is. Kind of, I kind of
2: hey, think of you. As she
1: being prays in the without ceasing. She, she does not leave the church.
2: Seems terrible. Seems like a terrible life. <laughs> but there's a lot of other places you could drive by and wave, and better chance of you finding me there. But thank you.
4: Tyler, you're never tempted. You're never tempted just to do a pop in like on '90s sitcoms. You know, just just knocking on the door, popping in.
3: <laughs> right across from the church is Top Golf, so it's that classic Sunday morning dilemma. When you're driving, if you're going to drive to Cross Point Church, do so I want to swing in to Crosspoint and get the word, or do I want to Sw- pop over to Top Golf there Topgolf. and just and just take a few? I swings. was so
2: waiting on you to do a double. There's swing. Joke there. There. There's a swing in the going. church or a swing <laughs> in the golf club. <laughs> yeah.
3: Take a couple hacks,
1: as I call it. Take some hacks. At
2: top. I don't. I've
3: never golfed in my life. I. You guys could be saying,
1: I don't know what these words mean. Yeah,
3: but. Nor,
2: nor
1: I. it's not. It's not real golfing. It's like it's like swinging a ball. It's like a real life pinball machine. That's basically what top what? golf is. Yeah.
2: It's like real life pinball. I would have gone oh, a sounds, long time ago yeah. if I knew that. I yeah. thought it was like golfing where you stood still, and I wasn't feeling that at no, all.
4: No, it's super super fun. It's like a. It's like like Cameron said. Being so, you stand up on this platform. And you smack the ball, and it goes into these cool
1: light up target zones, and you can <gasps> be horrible, and it's gonna roll
4: what? somewhere. Right.
1: Oh yeah!
2: And it lights up every time I hit yeah, it,
1: and you get different points for different things. And again, you don't have to be good at golf huh. at all. It's just like a fun social experience where there's like food oh and my music gosh, I had and no outdoors. Idea. Yeah, and I think hate. it
3: is pretty wild that they have
1: like it's like the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Like having
3: that turn right. It's a green. It's a light. And you take a left, during cross point. You take a right, you're golfing. This is like a tool of the devil for church people. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a it's your last Yeah, out. I
4: could show up Sunday morning, or I could beat the lines at top golf. And, you know, Maybe yeah, both. Get a, get a brunch and a mimosa. Hey, speaking of golf, did you guys see last Sunday, it was the final day of, of one of the you know, PGA tourna- tournaments, um, and Tiger Woods was playing, and he was in the hunt. And he was wearing what Tiger Woods always wears on Sundays, which is a red polo and black pants. That's his thing.
2: Always the, on Sundays? He,
4: he always wears that. If he's made the cut up until Sunday, he wears it. At all. That's his uniform. For, so, like, for a golf tournament, they take place over four days, and you have to make the cut each day. And if you're in it on Sunday, you have a chance to win. So Tiger Woods, he always wears the same thing on Sunday. It's like his game day, you know. And it's a red polo with black pants, right? Um, there was a guy this weekend who looked just like Tiger woods <laughs> I mean identical when I first saw the picture on twitter i thought no i didn 't read the, i didn 't read the tweet I saw the picture i 'm like oh there 's tiger woods he 's smiling and taking pictures with people, which is very uncharacteristic of tiger woods he doesn 't smile and he doesn 't take pictures with people but this guy who looked just like Tiger Woods wore the red sh- polo and black pants and uh, like a like a Nike hat and what went showed up at the golf tournament and was tricking fans into thinking he was Tiger Woods.
2: Yeah, was he doing it on purpose? That's what I was gonna ask you. Was he purposely trying to be like you think you're getting a <laughs> picture yes. with Tiger, yes. but yes. you're
4: not? And then he he started following People like, like Tiger's so uh uh you know, Tiger from T box to T box, and there are moments where Tiger Woods would look at him, not acknowledge him. But the the guy was getting. The guy had a bigger crowd around him than the actual Tiger Woods, and I appreciated that. Like, I appreciate the fact uh, that he's like, "Today's the day. I'm showing up in the Tiger Woods uniform." It was fantastic,
3: Jesse. If you could, if you could be impersonate one celeb, like bask in the in, this, in the fame of one celebrity for a day, who would like? It be? Like, I could, That's- I
4: could, I could appear as a Doppelganger. I would go.
3: Yeah, as I, a no, You wouldn't have their life, but you would but people other people would think that you have It would their be life. like
4: I would try to think of the most super famous person ever. Chris Pratt. And just see I, I don't I mean, I don't know who I could possibly pass for. Like
3: Brad Pitt. Like like an A list. Yes.
4: Yeah. Like Completely like A-list obviously or... I mean you're looking at me it's like okay Ryan Gosling.
2: <laughs> theater of the Minds, um, picture Ryan Gosling.
4: Yeah, theater I mean if you could age me up to be like a Brad Pitt, that would probably work. No, but I think that'd be I think that'd be super fun is that be is, is for people to think you're somebody else. Man, just for the day. interesting See what thing like, about the, like Tiger the Tiger Woods kid, kid. Woods I
2: just looked him up. He literally looks exactly like Tiger Woods, and you have to—I t- mean—talk yeah. about. The right Sunday in the right city and that guy being the right age. I mean, like so many things had to line up for that to go perfectly. And he's
1: wearing the Tiger Woods hat, too. I mean, he's like he knows what he's doing. He's wearing the the TW hat. Yeah. Yeah.
4: He does look
2: significantly friendlier than I've ever seen
5: Tiger Woods. look.
4: (laughs) Especially on a Sunday. Tiger Woods is all business on Sunday. He's there to win golf tournaments, not make friends, not make fans, you know. I think if I were Tiger Woods, I would hire the dude to go and be friendly me. You know what I mean? This is like, look, man, I don't have the energy or really yeah. the empathy to, to, to talk to my fans. I would just hire that guy to go do it for me. You know,
3: yeah. remember when Hannibal Bares hired a Hannibal Bares impersonator to go to the red carpet premiere of Spider Man Homecoming because he hates going to red carpets and doing interviews. and, really? and that's the great thing is he hired, he
4: crowdsourced it. He basically said, yeah. "I want to send someone in my place Over and not Twitter. tell them." And he picked a guy that looked nothing like him.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it was a really loose connect, <laughs> like there was nothing there, like, but it worked. Yeah, like because he's not like super famous, so you could kind of get, it. "Oh, that, yeah, I guess that's Hannibal Bares." Uh, <laughs> Reporters were interviewing him
4: as Hannibal Buress, even though it was just like a guy Hannibal Buress found on Twitter. That and and the guy was just answering questions off the top of his head, was just. Guessing, I just don't think you know? get to do
5: that. I think that's you amazing.
4: have to show
2: up because that's part of the gig, right?
4: No, I think it's way better to apparently use the impersonator. Yeah, I, I think it's apparently not. Yeah, right? I think it's way funnier to yeah. use an impersonator.
2: Well, I to be sure, it's
3: way funnier it from now on. That should be the yeah. only. Those are the only red carpet interviews I'm interested in from now on. <laughs> 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 People who don't actually know Our the answers, but they look like uh, they look. <laughs> they don't look like them. They. They kind, kind of dress like a in the dark room. Room.
1: I think the yeah. only place I've ever seen a red carpet interview actually be used was like in at that that one channel in your hotel room. You know, the default movie preview <laughs> oh, yeah, channel. Sure. Like they, they have those. That's the interviews. Is yeah. there?
4: Hey, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, you, you know, Drew Barrymore. What's your favorite place to eat in Tucson? And, you know, and she's like. Oh, I, <laughs> The, yeah, Yeah. The, unless, the hotel.
2: You, unless you watch it live, like on E! News or on MTV before the MTV Movie Award. Unless you're watching it live, that red carpet stuff, you don't really see again, do you?
1: Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, uh, Craig Groeschel joins us. And so we're mi- we're mixing things up. If you noticed, we put out uh, a show on Tuesday this week, and this is the Friday show. Uh, you guys spoke. I mentioned on last, or you know, the last episode, but you guys uh, spoke, and you like the two episodes a week. You've told us, but you just want them a little further spaced out. So we're going to be releasing shows on Tuesday morning and Friday morning moving forward. Changes our recording a little bit. It also changes what each show will entail. We're moving things where the Friday show, today's show will have, in case you missed it, and the Tuesday show will have slices. Uh, also joining us, uh, on the show today will be our listener of the week. So Friday will be listener of the week. Tuesday will be your question of the week. So little, you know, it's how, it's how we do. We keep things evolving. You know, you can't (laughs) stay still. Cameron and I were discussing the new schedule in the, in the car uh,
4: last week, we were driving around Orlando and we we're discussing it in the car. And I think we confused each other at least six times about but, the different segments in <laughs> the different days until we got out the pen and paper, the, the, the string of yarn, <laughs> the thumbtacks, a, 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 a world map. And what are those? An abacus. We, we had a protractor, to, Until we broke out the abacus, An we abacus. did not
1: know. Yeah. We finally got it figured uh, out. But though. actually, we today, finally, uh, we don't have the listener of the week. I misspoke. Today, if you course. remember last week's show... We have the listener interaction segment, Ask Jesse. Jesse's going to be doling out some um, yeah, life I'm coach advice. Right?
2: I'm so scared of this. Uh,
1: life coach advice. I've been seeing some of the questions coming in on Twitter, and there's some good ones. I know. I I, I did too. Um, I'm, I, I, well, I, I we'll wait. We'll wait. Um, but uh, I'm excited. You know, wait, and- wait, wait. So you've seen these already. So you're prime. So you've been preparing the answers? Because I was thinking... You'd go in blind, so you no, been cheating. no. I, I,
4: I, I looked at them, but I didn't think about them. I didn't think uh-huh. about them. That, that because here's the thing about when I do something, particularly that's life altering for another person, like giving advice <laughs> that they must take. I shoot oh from the gosh. hip. I let I, I am led by my heart and my gut and my instincts, not my brain. And that's that's how, because that's how life should be lived. So uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, this to, is to be change a, life, a change of life today, you know. Or
3: multiple lives. Wow, wow, wow. Our lawyers yeah. are looking yeah. over I mean they're they're they look they're panicking. But, you know, but it's too late. We're in over it. We're recording. We're recording. <laughs> they're trying to get my two attention. Two I can't. Two two. I, I don't understand. I don't speak sign language.
1: We're fine. <laughs> the layers, they, they are very concerned because they're looking at the, the video monitors here and they can see how disheveled and sunburned Jesse looks. He looks like a <laughs> wild man.
2: Yeah, Jesse, what's the sunburn about? Tell us more about that. <gasps>
4: Labor Day weekend, man. You got to be outside, just soaking up the rays. I mean, that's that's what you do. You I, I don't we, know,
3: man. You look like you came just, off a bender. You look at the guy in the movie who just wandered in, like he's been missing from his family. They've that's what I'm him saying. That's why they're concerned. He stumbles into the funeral.
1: <laughs> hey, like I said, what, what
4: are you guys doing on Labor
1: Day weekend? I thought that's... You basically described we, my weekend. I meant to be outside all weekend, and uh, the weather had other plans. So it just
2: rained. Oh, nonstop. did it rain on you the whole weekend, yeah, the Cameron? Whole, the
1: whole weekend, yeah.
2: So, no. so we were just inside oh,
4: playing Fortnite. Hey, I, I, ironically, it rained here the entire time
1: too. I don't even know how I got this sunburn. Like I said, <laughs> you most still of the weekend's up. a blur. So <laughs> <laughs> it's very strange. Well, we we had like a, a, a pretty uh, busy week last week. So it's understandable that it would be a blur afterwards. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if y'all... I mean, you heard Tuesday's show. We recorded that at the end of Impact Week. So this is our first episode post-Impact Week. If you missed it, last week, uh, Jesse came down to Orlando and we had a a, a thing where all week long, uh, all five days, we spotlit, uh five different great organizations that we love and we support. And we wanted to raise money and awareness for them and... Uh, Monday, we uh, wanted to tackle domestic hunger and we uh, raised money and packed meals for feeding children everywhere. On Tuesday, we talked to the team at A21 about their amazing work uh, fighting human trafficking and raised money for A21. On Wednesday... Uh, we uh, tackled the refugee crisis and learned a lot about that uh, with Preemptive Love Coalition and and sponsored a raise money for a safe space for kids in a refugee camp in northern Iraq. On Thursday, uh, we uh, supported World Vision. Uh, they are doing amazing emergency work and long-term development work in East Africa, obviously globally, but specifically in East Africa where Jesse and I were seeing the the horrible drought firsthand and the humanitarian crisis that nobody's really talking about. We raised money for them. And on Friday, we raised money to build wells with our friends at Charity Water. It was a packed week. We were going live all week. Uh, we had guests all week. We had crazy stunts all week. And uh, over the course of the week we you guys gave over fifty three thousand dollars so those amazing organizations so we're really excited about that and uh thank you for everybody who joined in on the live stream and who tweeted about it and who gave especially uh, we really appreciate everybody uh, participating and it was a lot of fun we were it was a it was kind of a grand social experiment. I wanted yeah. to see what would happen if we could shine the spotlight on these great organizations and see if we could help uh, support their work and propel their work. And we partnered with our friends at Bright Peak Financial, and they participated financially as well, accelerating everybody's giving. And it was a a fun week. It was a chaotic week. It was a a stressful week in a lot of ways, you know, with all the essential oils and, you know, endurance challenges and things like that. But we made it and it was a perfect timing for a three-day weekend. So it was great. And Even if it pro- rained
2: on you the whole weekend. That,
1: well, that's probably why Jesse looks so disheveled. It was actually Impact Week. It wasn't Labor Day weekend. Yeah.
2: That's a sunburn from all that live streaming he's been doing, exactly. having the
4: screen open. It was under long. those
1: hot spotlights. It's actually <laughs> a burn Just. from from
4: the essential oils. Yeah. I'm we'll gonna do it to you. Well he had yeah. to exfoliate. Yeah. I, I don't suggest right. you put oils on your peel. skin and then shine a bright light on yourself for three <laughs> yeah. and a half hours. It will yeah. I mean I was cooking I was quite you were literally cooking like cooking. A pizza. I was I was yes. cooking,
5: you know. Yes. <laughs>
4: I was I was like, Hey, hmm what's that delicious smell? It smells like, you know, apple wood bacon in here. i no that's literally my face and it's burning off because <laughs> There is <laughs> apple. There's an apple. If you oil.
2: got cooked, you'd smell like apple with yeah, bacon.
1: Exactly. It's a,
2: fascinating. It's just lovely. <laughs> so gross.
1: Uh, so, his last Wednesday's episode, uh, it, things got off the rails. If you want to hear, if your favorite thing about our podcast is when Jesse gets really weird. Uh, last Wednesday's episode is one you probably want to tune back into. Um, the essential oils got <laughs> to, true.
2: I listened and I thought it was super weird. <laughs> it was weird.
1: I, 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 you know, looking back, I don't know if it was
4: the fog juice. Or the, or the essential oils or the combination of both of them put into a fog machine. But, you know, something something got, you know, crossed some wires for us upstairs. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's all for a good cause. It was for a good cause. <laughs> Things got hazy. It's hazy.
1: But That's I'm happy I'm to report that our our newly installed uh, podcast studio decorations did not retain the smell.
2: Really? There's exactly. no smell left at all. Yeah. Surprising. I mean,
1: this room is covered in like acoustic tiles and fabric tiles and wood. Nothing, nothing retained the smell. It's just smells normal.
2: That's fascinating. I would have thought for sure that it would have the
1: smell. Oh yeah, me too. I'm
2: currently running my essential oils here at at Annie's office. So only one of us now is getting...
1: What are you using? What are you using to invigorate yourself? What is it?
2: uh, Today it's citrus and purification.
1: Wait, there's an oil called purification? Yes. Wait, so you combining citrus and purification or you have a citrus one that is...
2: Nope, I'm combining them. Interesting. Thank you, thank you so much.
5: I learned
1: I learned a lot about essential oils last week, but it was more trial and error, like self-taught sort
5: yeah. of stuff. We yeah. didn't actually self-taught. we didn't like, <laughs> and I
1: would say I, I would say it was mostly error.
5: Like, most self-taught. of what I was told was not. Do. I never read on like oh, how so
4: much funny. to put in, how
1: to abuse these to the diffusers, <laughs> and I thought like, well, you know, like these bottles are little, so like half the bottle, and so we just, you know, that's kind of the ratio we were going. Each time Wait, we were- y'all
2: use y'all were dumping like half a bottle into the fogger.
1: Oh, we were dumping full bottles in the fogger. We were doing <gasps> half bottles in the diffusers.
2: Yeah. Wait, were you putting water yeah. in there with mm-hmm. the oils?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then, it, but it was half to a full bottle. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, well, gosh, water, guys- water. We
4: mean almost
1: toxic fog juice. Uh,
4: so <laughs>
5: yeah.
2: Yes, well, we the diffusers. I mean, is that water. fog machine ruined?
1: No. It's lovely. Have
2: you run it again? It
1: was purified and invigorated, or whatever the, joy, the juices are sure, supposed to do to it. It to has, it has sure, never sure, run sure. better. It is free of toxins
3: yeah. and sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> has a clear mind. It has a, the clearest mind it's ever I had. I have a
3: really clear memory of, uh, you know, uh, on camera while the, re- while the recording was going on, y'all in the studio were really ha- happy go lucky. You were enjoying it, you were playing it up. And then, as <laughs> soon as somebody, as soon as we hit record, the recording went off, the cameras were down. Jesse just said, Get me out of this room,
4: <laughs> <laughs> and then and and, and, and did, Tyler. Jesse? That's the last thing I remember up until eight a.m. this
1: morning. It's shocking.
3: It <laughs> just dropped you off in the middle of the floor, the Florida swampland. You had to crawl yeah. back to Virginia. Yeah, back through the Everglades. Well, that yeah. day
1: it wasn't just the hour and forty-five minutes recording the podcast. We also live streamed to over two hours in this room, so it was like four hours. Of, yeah, that was of insane. Inhaling. Yeah, chemicals and purifications, and it was, it's
2: not chemicals. Your oil friends would tell you. It's no, the chemicals. the fog juice. All for a good cause. Uh, a
1: little behind the scenes. Uh, you can't see it, but our studio I mentioned last week uh, finally has the aesthetic build out we've been waiting on, which means in the next day or two we are installing the cameras, and so uh, we will be taking the video or the podcast to video uh, here in the next. Week or so, we'll be live switching it uh, broadcast style but from the Skype cameras and the studio cameras. Um, and we will be putting at first, we'll be putting like excerpts or like, you know, three, five minute clips up online, see how that goes. And then maybe some longer stretches as well. We have a highly edited show, so doing video <laughs> is tough. But if there is
2: shocking, no one, (laughs)
1: that's what I said, man, that
4: that's the tight, that's the tight rope without a net, you know, just, just out there for the world. That's how
2: the live show was too, that we did in the spring. It was like, well, here's everything, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. But the live show,
1: at least we were prepared for, we mentally knew that this was going to be unedited. Uh I mean, when we come into this show, it's kind of like we wing it and then we clean it up afterwards, which again, much to Chandler's chagrin, but I mean, we, we we Uh, should get better at it. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. you know, but like, hey, you know, maybe there's going to be a solid forty five seconds that we that you know yeah. don't get edited that we can put out on video. So
4: you know, that's <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah. Solid that's, like The
4: ratio seconds. that I like to do is for every three hours, you have about nine and a half minutes of usable content.
1: Yeah,
5: that's <laughs> um, good. <laughs> We're getting yeah. tons of But I of use time usable together, pretty but. loosely.
4: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. So, uh, so look for that. That'll be coming out soon. Hey, and if you missed it, speaking of video on Friday's last Friday's episode, uh, we, uh, had Johnny swim join us and we debuted the new issue of relevant and we played two songs as they recorded in the relevant studios. And we put those videos out and uh, do yourself a favor, go over to relevant TV or find our YouTube channel. Uh, just search for relevant on YouTube. And watch those videos. They're like amazing. I mean, they're amazing. And uh, and we have more to come with Johnny Swim, more performances, uh, some interviews. We did a really funny kind of rapid fire Q&A with them. Um, and so all that'll be coming out in the coming weeks. Uh, this week in the studio, this is kind of teasing ahead because... Uh, we won't release these for a little while. We have uh, Levi Lusco coming into the studio. We have Jesus Culture coming in, we have for King and Country coming in, all the record performances and stuff. Wow. Um and maybe Lauren Daigle, we're working on that. The 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 schedule is difficult, but yeah, that may we'll happen see. too. So yeah, a lot happened in our studio. So, you know, the podcast coming online, becoming video. Uh, there's gonna be a lot more video coming from us this fall as well. Jesse, is this an
2: appropriate time? Cameron just mentioned it. So I'm just going to drop a conspiracy theory. Are you ready?
3: Oh, do it. Yeah. Cameron
2: and Mark, you guys Chandler in the studio. Y'all need to really you're the front lines on this conspiracy theory as to whether Joel and Luke for King and Country actually have an Australian accent or if that is put on.
3: (laughs) Where is this stemming from? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Reddit thread that you dig this up you Do
4: you think that like Australian handsome twin singers are slightly more marketable than regularly, ruggedly good looking twins? I mean, they are.
1: Okay. So I don't, I've never met the guys. And so I've never heard their accents, Annie. I'll hear it this week. But they are the Smallbone brothers. The Smallbones famously being, they are the brothers of Rebecca St. James and the family. When I lived in Nashville covering Christian music from like ninety eight to two thousand. Uh the small bones were there. They were a powerful family in, in the Nashville scene. They still are. Yeah. There's and, a uh, lot
2: of them. There's a pastor of a church that's a small bone. There's yeah, there's a lot of them. I
1: don't trust them. <laughs> there's a conspiracy for <laughs> Annie me. You, so the so the brothers though were younger, right? They were like yes, you know, middle school at the time or whatever. They had, the family had moved over here a few years prior to when I moved to Nashville because of Rebecca St. James's career. So the brothers are Australian truly, but they would have moved to the U.S. Maybe when they were like five to ten. So, so the question so, so is: So what you're
4: suggesting?
1: Four is fifths of their life have been in the U.S. in Nashville, of all places, accent-wise. So if they've got this remnant Australian accent, where's that coming from? You know, because like yeah. they haven't been there in a long time.
2: And I, I've toured with them. I adore both of them and their wives. I think they're wonderful people. I have only been around them when I've heard an Australian accent, but I've heard a recording. So,
4: so Annie, here's your theory that, I mean, everyone is aware that the Australian accent is the coolest accent. Like that's, that's, you know, not well, even you're talking close. to a girl who's
2: just in Scotland. So I'm going to disagree with you, but yes, the Australian Thumbna accent wits. is highly okay. regarded uh, all right. in the I mean, Christian you, world. Yeah, The Australian I, I, accent I, is highly regarded in Christianity.
4: Exe- especially for like, just like ruggedly good looking, just hunks. Hugh yeah. Jackman, Hunks. the Hemsworth brothers, all That's Australian. It. You That's know, it. so Joel what you're, Joel Houston? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: every every Australian male is six foot three, is a surfer, uh, loves Jesus, yes. is just yeah. dashing good looks. Yeah,
2: it's yeah. very annoying. It.
1: You've never been to Australia, have you? I have not. Yeah,
2: <laughs> nor have I. <laughs> nor have I. <laughs> I've just watched what they export. I lived there briefly, and that is so, really so, not and, true. So, uh, so, uh, so what uh, you're okay. well, maybe this is what they export.
4: It's their exports. All right, there we go. There we go. So Annie, what you're suggesting is this, that the small bones um, knew of how marketable this accent is. They've been in the United States f- far long enough for it to have worn off, yet they are still practicing it and maintaining it by, you know, watching binge watching reruns of like Crocodile Hunter and Crocodile Dundee just late into every evening so they don't lose the accent so they don't lose the markability (laughs) that's the implication I'm
2: looking over to our lawyers and here's how I want to say this I'm not suggesting that I am presenting to you a theory that exists that I have only personally experienced them with Australian accents but I've heard a recording of non-Australian accents Where, so, do, where does
3: this wait, recording... Release the tapes, Annie. Yeah, where...
2: <laughs> I won't do it. That no, is where... not mine. It's where not do mine. The, where
4: do these, you know, tapes, where do they exist? Nope.
2: nope, not doing any of this. I'm just saying to y'all, I think Luke and Joel are legitimately Australian. I, well, they are. And I think well, they, they are, sound Australian. are, by definition, I, Australian.
1: Yes. But they I have not lived there, there are in people 20...
2: people there are people who have created a theory that maybe... In their own time when left alone, they may not sound quite so and,
4: crocodile and, and dummy. So, so here's here's what she's saying. Annie pulled an Amarosa and is secretly recording <laughs> <the> meetings, <laughs> secretly recording meetings to have dirt on people. And smallbones, <laughs> if you don't want this tape released, yeah. I suggest you contact Annie and strike up a deal. I,
3: this isn't a big deal, yeah, we uh, can uh, cut this out afterwards. I do need to let you know that, that I think uh, the lawyers had a collective heart attack. And I think they're all
1: dead. The question is do they dream some- in Australian or in American accents? Yeah, that's the yeah. question.
2: Well, also, I mean, both of their wives are American, so that has to, I mean, Mariah Peters, Luke's wife, Joel's wife, is for sure American and has an American accent. She's lovely.
4: Here's the question. Do we know that they are actually different people? Uh, you oh, know, is boy. this That's a an great elaborate point. illusion? And they're just, they know that if they're two of them, they're twice as marketable. So you, know? you think
1: this is a, uh, like a Lindsay Lohan Freaky Friday situation?
2: No, no, no. Not Freaky Friday. Uh, Parent Trap. Parent the, Trap. Parent
1: yeah, trap. Th- this, yeah. No, th- this is
4: Freaky a... Freaky Friday.
2: They aren't switching places with David Smallbone. They're not becoming their father. No, no. Okay. This so is a awesome.
4: Tiger, Tiger Woods impersonator situation. Yeah, 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 you yeah, know? yeah. They found a guy who looked like he could be a Smallbone and but, said, Welcome to the family, but you, yeah. but Annie, you actually <laughs> do. There's th- only one
3: small bone, and this
4: whole—how deep does this rabbit hole go, Annie? Annie, That's but you—you you legitimately That's why I
1: wonder. It to you. you think that because they haven't lived in Australia in 20 plus years, that the accent has actually faded? But when they get on stage, they might. Turn it back up a little bit because I need that's all what the of crowd you to quit wants. Saying
2: you think I'm not taking a stand <laughs> on this. I merely am bringing to you and a conspiracy theory that exists. I did not tell you where I stood on it. I just said, Hey, it exists. Chandler,
4: here's here we need here's here's what's gonna need to happen. Yeah, they're <laughs> coming to the studio, Chandler. Right. We need to lay a trap, and here's what it is like. <laughs> You have them go into the studio to like set up for like the bug recording. The,
1: bug the dressing room, is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, hey, you guys go back there get comfortable. We got some bottles of water. And, and we'll leave y'all alone and just give you a we, few
1: minutes to get ready. We'll, we'll yeah. check on you in 10 minutes.
4: Yeah. Make but them what, think. what needs to happen, though, is right before they go into the room, we need to spark some banter. So, Mark, I need you to do so, yell something wildly inappropriate before yeah. they enter the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, when <laughs> they go good. in, they're like, hey, dude, did you hear what that guy just said? That was insane. I can't believe he just screamed <laughs> That across the entire office. The little do they know the mics are running and now we have unfiltered accents and we My will know guess for sure. There
2: Annie. is no if they're putting on their accent and I don't think they are. It's just a conspiracy theory. I think there's no break in the armor.
1: Oh, this is a Disney cast member situation. I'm wearing the Goofy costume from the moment I leave my dressing room, including backstage, in the hallways, everything. The head is on. I'm in persona, even backstage, because if a child or an outsider or a guest was allowed backstage, I I cannot allow Goofy to be seen without the head on. You're saying the small bones are full persona character anytime they're anywhere, not in their own room or hotel room or, or house. Yeah, it, it's, it's Jim Carrey becoming Andy Kaufman.
3: For we the, are, we're f- all gonna get a visit from the Small Bones, like enforcer tonight. Like, <laughs> I we're gonna know, like up, literally gonna come to the door. door of my get a silhouette in the doorway. We're gonna be like, "What? Who's there?" He's a, a big guy. A big and guy. it's you know, Rebecca It'll be
4: Rebecca St. James. Know, Rebecca
5: he, St. James. You know, no, they have
4: they have a, a third brother. And he's very large. His name's Big Bone Small Bone. And he, <laughs> he's the enforcer. He's the enforcer. He'll break
5: bones, too. He'll break bones. <laughs> Big Bone Small Bone. He's not
4: a man you want to cross.
5: Trust
2: me. This is
4: how the says secret
3: is. Aus- classic Australian uh, words like Crikey
1: um, and all the other ones.
3: Yeah, a famous All the Australian. other ones.
2: What else, Tyler? What else you got?
1: This is how the secret has been kept for two decades plus because of Big Bone, Small Bone, you know, kind of cleaning yeah. up the trail. The it's basically yeah. the guy at the end Damn. of uh, Men in Black. He goes in like with the with the zapper, you know, and just you did you not want to be a different accent. by Big Bone, Small Bone. That's all yeah. I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You
5: know. Right.
1: Well, that's coming up. So we uh, we have a lot. It's going to be a fun fall of a lot of uh, video content. Obviously, a lot of that stuff will happen here on the podcast as well. But uh, if you haven't, you know, obviously, our, our YouTube channel kind of li- lied dormant there for a little while, uh, for a year or two. Uh, we kind of embraced a transition season away from the old studio and kind of ready for the new one. And it just happened to, you know, as life does. Go way longer. The transition was way longer than we had planned. It's actually literally been like two years since we've been actively doing stuff. Um, we uh, we did uh, the uh, social club misfits uh, videos uh, last month, I believe. Actually, um, my son was going through YouTube on uh, on our TV, and it recommended like these performance videos, yeah. and it recommended the Social Club Misfits one. I was like, oh, buddy, have you seen this? Is it that We just did this in the studio last month. And I played it for him and he thought it was like super cool. Like it was like on, t- on TV, you know, it was like it's on YouTube. But uh, <laughs> go check it out. Um, the Social Club Misfits and this Johnny Swim stuff. It's it's some awesome stuff. And then we have some yeah. great uh, conversations that we've been filming with like Rich Stearns. And like I said, Levi Lusko is coming in and Some other guests. So um, it's going to be a good fall of some new things from us. It's going to be good. Uh, Well, moving the show along, it is time for our look back at what happened this week in culture and entertainment. It's time for...
5: In case you missed it.
1: Hey, in case you missed it, uh, this week, Stephen Colbert showed he is the world's biggest Tolkien nerd by connecting an obscure Lord of the Rings reference with a Chance the Rapper song, in an interview with Rolling Stone, the late show host explained why he couldn't figure out why Chance's favorite song, which features Childish Gambino, was constantly stuck in his head. He then recognized that the song's rare rhyming pattern was featured in a J.R.R. Tolkien poem featured in Lord of the Rings. Here's a clip of him connecting the dots. And this is because I link everything back to J.R.R. Tolkien. It's actually from the song of Yarundel who is the father of Elrond. And that verse starts with, Yarendil was a mariner who tarried in Arvernian, who built a ship of Timberfeld and Nimbritheld a sailorin. But you can just go, Yarendil was a mariner who tarried in Arvernian, who built a ship of Timberfeld and Nimbritheld a and It's the same rhythm scheme. So whether or not you know it, Chance and Childish, you wrote a song that includes in it this really kind of rare rhyme and rhythm scheme that Tolkien used in the poem that actually influences all of the rest of The Lord of the Rings.
4: This clip is totally insane for a a number of reasons, but mainly that Colbert... Has the you know, such a deep knowledge of the Lord of the Rings that he literally has like poems within a book in the book memorized and can match them with, with, you know, hip hop songs. I, I love that. He just owns being a big geek like that. That sure. kind of like I you do, too. do. You made a career out of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good for him. I, I, I see this guy going places, you know, <laughs> I mean, I think he's, I
3: think he's a real talent. Do you think he has to dial it back on the show a lot? Like he comes in with a whole list of Tolkien slash C.S. Lewis slash other fantasy novel ideas for every show, and they always be like, "Stephen, we talked about we. You get one a month, man." Oh, we that's have to cast true. a wide net here. That's what we have
1: to do with Jesse's conspiracy theories. It's like, all right, listen, you get one an issue. You get one. Yeah. <laughs> this one and this one is is being silenced because let's
4: just say a, a, a big bone gentleman <laughs> paid me a <to> visit. <laughs> and
1: uh, we're going to be switching this one out. This issue,
2: so. <laughs> Don't put that in
5: print.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Hey, in case you missed it, Lecrae <laughs> delivered a powerful sermon at Miami's VU Church. Uh, the rapper recently collaborated with uh, artists Zaytoven and Ty Dolla Sign, and he was a guest speaker at the uh, large South Florida church uh, founded by Rich Wilkerson. He opened the sermon by saying that part of the reason he wanted to speak there was because he'd previously visited unannounced and was treated so kindly by people who didn't recognize him. In the message, he emotionally spoke about how to maintain joy even through seasons of sacrifice and trials. Here's a clip.
0: We gotta be willing to walk through the door of all of it. We gotta be willing to let go of it all to become our future self. We've gotta be willing to to take on the, 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 the disrespect and the fear and the judgment and the ridicule. The scripture says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy set before him. See, y'all, we're in this social media world hoping for likes. But let me tell you something, if you woke up this morning and you loved yourself and you knew God loved you, any additional like is a bonus. It's a bonus. Likes don't change the world, relentlessness does. The power of God is what changes the world. Yes, it is scary. Yes, it is lonely. You're standing on the edge of something and you're afraid to jump. I know what it's like to be afraid to jump. I was uh, at at Hillsong Conference in Australia. I left the conference. We zipped on over to New Zealand. They said, Lecrae, you gotta go to this 700 foot building and jump off a base jump. It's amazing, it's a great experience. I said, no thank you. They said, no, trust me, you gotta do it. They hyped me up, they gassed me up. We got to the building, I saw a video of Beyonce doing it. I said, huh, if Beyonce can do it, so can I. Hold up, hold up. First of all, there's a million things Beyonce can do that I can't. That was terrible logic. Still, I found myself on the top of this 700 foot building. I got to the edge of it, I looked down, I saw Tupac and Michael Jackson waving like, come on. This
4: this clip did pretty well. Like a lot of people watched it on, when we shared it on the site. And I think it's because it seems like Lecrae, you know, lately kind of the image he's fostered with these kind of collaborations and um is kind of this crossover artist. Um you know, he's talked about potentially collaborating with like Kendrick and Chance. Um but to see him like in a pulpit delivering a sermon was pretty cool. I mean, you know, it shows how diverse his skill set is because it's a really powerful message. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, thinking about him on at you know, in the pulpit and on the tonight show, right? Like yeah. what a what a variety of places he's gotten to share his art. I just think it's really, really cool.
1: Yeah. Jesse, I just got a text. Okay. This is from my main contact at the Orlando Magic. Okay. Oh she boy. Said, "Hey there, Cam. Will you be in the office Monday at twelve thirty-five by chance for a special delivery?" And by special, I mean very, very cool.
4: Yeah, so someone comes in with like a hand truck and there's like a large box with a bow on it. And you're like, I can't believe it. What is this? this is awesome. You open the box and it's big bone, small bone. Ball up in <laughs> there, it pops out and grabs you. It's <laughs> all over from there. It all goes dark after that.
1: Oh, in case you missed it, uh, former United Pursuit worship artist Michael K- Ketterer moved Simon Cowell to tears. Uh, Michael is currently a worship pastor and he first made an appearance on America's Got Talent uh, earlier this year where he introduced the judges To family, his family, including his wife and six children, five of whom they adopted from foster care. So during the quarterfinals of the show this week, Simon Cowell called him a great human being. And after his performance of James Bay's Us, Cowell started crying, saying, You're really, you're a really special guy. I don't know. There's something about you. Here is a clip of the performance.
0: Tell me how, because I believe in something.
1: You know, it's weird. I think that's probably what's going to happen on Monday. (laughs) Is that Stuff the Magic Dragon? Stuff the Magic Dragon is going to come here and just tell me I'm a really special guy.
2: (laughs) Wait, I'm sorry. His name is What the Magic Dragon? stuff? Stuff Stuff the
1: Magic Dragon. Not puff stuff like you jam a basketball stuff yeah. the magic sure. dragon sure, yeah sure, sure, NBA I mean, you know, I mascot the of the same year thing. two years running hey
4: I picture the same thing it's stuff and he comes and they start taking pictures with you all of a sudden you're in a chokehold and guess what stuff it's takes his bone. head guess who? it's big bone he found another way always it's always big bone always good. big bone longest <laughs> come, oh, longest come. come. He's the it. Oh, those all are
2: the best the long drawn out pranks. Oh man! Uh, in case you missed it,
1: Colin Kaepernick is a face of Nike's new "Just Do It" campaign. Uh, this made uh, all the internet rounds uh, a few days yeah, ago. No kidding. The yeah. the free agent quarterback is a is largely recognized as the NFL player who started the uh, kneeling demonstration during the pregame national anthems to protest racism and to advocate for criminal justice reforms. And uh, he's among several athletes featured in the new ads, which celebrates Nike's 30th anniversary of the "Just Do It" campaign. Um, one of the images shows Kaepernick's face with the slogan, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything, just do it. Uh, the ad has been instantly controversial online, but also drew praise from high profile supporters like former CIA director, John Brennan, uh, Serena Williams, designer, Jerry Lorenzo, and New York jets player and world vision advocate, Kelvin Beecham. Did, Did you also see when this came out that, um, it kind of got released or revealed that you know because the whole thing about Kaepernick is that he can't get an audition with a team, and he's better than pretty much every backup yeah. in the league, and half the starters in the league, and and no team will look at him because of the controversy that follows him. And it's like you know this guy's you know not able to make money, but it turns out that Nike's been paying him all along, and I they were saw just that, kind of, But I didn't understand.
2: Yeah. I didn't read about it. I just saw. So they just like salaried him a little bit.
1: Yeah, they they kept him as an endorsed athlete, waiting for kind of this moment. But they Got kept him it. on the roster and stuff. So, so you know, while while Kaepernick's been out there, kind of advocating and and uh, speaking, and you know, kind of he's not able to play football. He's actually been able to. You know, make a living. So that's good. So Yeah.
4: Good and me, I mean, and it's notable too. He's given away a tremendous amount of money. He's also donated, you know, the percent, uh, a large percentage of his Jersey sale revenue. And I, I it's over a million dollars that he's given to um, charities that, affect the the causes that he's passionate about um and he's also i mean this this is a big year for him personally because he's actually taking legal action against the nFL trying to trying to prove that the owners essentially colluded to prevent him from working um And so he, you know, not only is he taking on these incredibly important social causes, but he he's also taking on the league. And, you know, from what I've read, the evidence seems to be in his favor at this point.
3: And I, I think that he, you know, he had no way of knowing that this Nike thing was going to come. Like when he heard when he first heard it, taking a knee on the field. I, I understand some of the. I've seen some cynicism about. Well, now he's getting paid by Nike anyway, so it didn't really cost him everything. But this was not part of a long con from Colin Kaepernick. No, you know, right. Hoping that right. he would end up. So knowing that a positive one point he up being In the face of the "Just Do It" campaign, right. this, this was he took a chance, and in this case, it paid out with a Nike endorsement. But it. it, it didn't know that at the time. And, and I mean, and the I Nike endorsement cool. is
2: paying the bills, but it's, he's still not getting to do the dream job that he wanted to do. Yeah, so it's he's not like he's, still he's not an gotten athlete. everything yeah. back. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, I, you guys saw too, like the backlash online where over the weekend, people were like cutting the Nike logo off their socks and they're yeah. burning their shoes and things like that. And it's like
3: Nashville's own big and rich. Uh, yeah. Yeah tweeted out that photo of their sound guy cutting the tops off of his Nike saw. My thing is just like,
1: <laughs> so you know, funny. and again, like it's almost like the, I hate to say it, but more the redneck kind of patriot, you know, yeah. uh, audience is kind of saying that this is a slap in the face. You know, Nike's slapping, you know, patriotism in the face, which is just, Again, missing the entire point. He's not protesting the national anthem. I mean, it is a protest during the national anthem to raise awareness about racial injustice and police brutality. This is not about the anthem. Um, And and again, an army veteran is the one who suggested to Kaepernick to kneel versus staying seated on the bench or not coming out. He said, go out there and kneel, which shows reverence, but also creates a visual demonstration for a, a greater issue. I mean, I don't understand the the debate is ignorant. You know what I mean? Like the the backlash is ignorant and I'm not calling the people ignorant, but it is an uninformed objection uh, to to the issue. I just don't get it. There is no controversy here. Uh,
3: Exactly. Anytime it's framed as protesting the national anthem, it's so irritating because he went above and beyond Colin Kaepernick went above and beyond to make sure that it wouldn't be construed this way. Right. But I think a few bad faith players at the top who have uh, a interest in trying to keep it framed that direction have continued to peddle this, this, uh, this false narrative that he's yeah. protesting the anthem. And,
4: and ultimately, you know, it, members of our armed forces, you know, they, they're, I, 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 you know, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think a, a lot of them would not necessarily see their job to defend the national anthem, but to defend the values that it represents. And one of of those values that makes America so significant is the value of free speech and free expression. And, you know, ultimately, that's what, uh, you know, I think is the other irony is that, you know, what he's doing should be it should be representative of why america at least initially and during its founding was so significant that you are allowed to speak out against the government you know um that this a part of why the founding fathers founded you know drafted um, the Declaration of Independence was because they were tired of being under the thumb of a dictator and of a of a system of government that was above criticism, you know, and that that's that's a founding value of America that should be celebrated, not boycotted.
2: All right. Preach that anyway.
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I agree with you, Cameron. I think critics of it, you know, uh, many of them seem to be misguided in what they're outraged about in this particular Do you case.
2: You know, one of my things about stuff like this, and it's because I don't I haven't studied enough of the, that side. But like all the people who who are cutting the Nike swooshes off of things, they really believe they're right. Like yeah, they yeah, yeah. really yeah. believe they're right. And some part of this has been communicated to them in a way that they are really sure that what they are standing up for is the right side. Right. And, and well, because
1: they feel all they hear is protesting the national anthem. And so they're going, "No, yeah. we it would take pride in America." So it's like they absolutely they feel completely right to justify they feel as yeah.
2: strong as we do. I, that is the thing that blows my mind about stuff like this is that those that they could be on here talking to us and ha- and feel and have just as clear an argument as we do. And, and I don't know, I, I agree with y'all on all of this. I also wish that, uh, I could hear the other side explain themselves in a way that felt rational to me so that I could go, oh, I see where you're coming from. Cause when, when I hear my friends talking about when I hear y'all talking about, I go, that is so not rational. There's got to be people who are saying this in a rational way. That's Am I making sense? Do you hear what yeah, I'm saying? T-
4: yeah, I, I, I totally. I mean, I, I don't think you want to paint everyone who disagrees with us or anyone on this issue as you know people who are taking part in a, a boycott or don't believe. It's not it.
2: like smart and dumb. Yeah, and it's not and that, that, that's what I'm saying.
4: I'm not saying everyone who, who disagrees with our, our view on this particular issue is even against, uh, you know, criminal justice system reforms. But I do think there are a a a majority, like a large, significant and vocal uh, portion yeah. of people who are are critical of this particular demonstration that do seem to be misguided in what their criticism is you know um and and it seems to be the most vocal who who are making uh who are making cases that aren't actually related to what the demonstration is. You know, all about, but the, the other thing too is like, it, it cuts to the heart of something even deeper, which is the difference between patriotism and nationalism and how, you know, there, it, nationalism has gotten to such a point where people hold the country in a reverence that really should only be reserved for God. Like, you know, being, it's when you, when you look at the, the idea of, of nationalism and, and trying to figure out, is this actually idolatry where people, their identity are, is so tied to their national pride that it rivals their identity in Christ and being like we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, uh, a member of, uh, of a kingdom that has no borders and that is identity isn't um, based on where you were born. You know that it, it, it's wh- where you are adopted into. You know um, that that's where the other thing that I think is gets problematic yeah. is when you look at how passionate people get when it comes to issues of nationalism in general. Yeah,
3: and that's a I think that's the reason why I why I'm comfortable with there being uh, a right and a wrong on this one. Uh, by a side who has uh, who heard the facts and, and has not, because I think I, I would I don't think that. Colin Kaepernick is disrespecting the flag, um, but I would hope that I would never be so upset by somebody disrespecting a flag that I would be moved to the sorts of uh, demonstrations that I've seen. Because yeah. uh, because the flag isn't where I, I pledge, uh, yeah. you know, my my actual eternal allegiance to. It's not where any of us do. It's not where anybody should. And I, I'm grateful for the people who who fight for. Uh, safety and my rights here of course uh but like you said jesse the i also am thankful that we're allowed to exercise those rights. those are human issues and human issues i I think should always trump uh issues of nationalism
2: yeah yeah i'm with you that there's a right and a wrong i don't i don't disagree with you i just am always amazed when everyone thinks their side is the is totally rational and totally correct you know
1: I I, I got to be honest with you. It's like going to dinner with family members who only read conservative media or watch same, conservative news. Same. They only have this perspective and that is the right perspective. And it's like, I, I just wish that, I, you know, that I, they'll never listen to the John Stewart, John Oliver people who would maybe have a differing per, intellectual perspective on, on the news. And uh, Jesse and I were talking just the other day, riding in, we were listening to NPR and I'm like, it bugs me NPR doesn't do opinion, you know, like a lot of the the talking heads seen in Fox News. ones. Well, it's, it's not even news anymore. It's just literally just some soundbite, you know, news thing. And then we're going to have four talking heads talk about it for the next 20 minutes. And it's all opinion. It's the same thing as ESPN. It's just all opinion, and all opinion. Just give me the sports news. You know what I mean? It, it bugs me. So I listen to like news sources trying to just get news. But there's such an implicit bias even in what news they report, how they report it. You know, it's like I when I go to the gym and there's Fox News on the TV right next to CNN and it's all muted so you're just seeing the ticker it is fascinating to watch how like what news they're selecting to tell and what they're not and then if they're having to report the same story one is from an issue of victim one is from an issue of aggressor one is from it you know like it's so crazy to me how so if you're only in taking one perspective Of course, that's how you see it's black and white, right and wrong. I mean, like, you know, I've been told that this is right, you know, and like, they don't even know another perspective on the issue, you know, because they haven't listened to any other perspectives on the issues. And that a lot of us are, the left is just as guilty as the right in that, where you just do an echo chamber, you only follow people on Twitter who feed your own worldview and like, that's the issue is that we're uninformed about the other perspectives. And so like one of the big things I've always cared about with Relevant is trying to build bridges of understanding and like, let's sit down with somebody who sees the world different than me. I mean, back in the early days, people would ask me like, why, why do you have secular people on the cover? Why do you cover this stuff that's not Christian? It's like, I want to understand where they're coming from. Or like somebody who's mad that we might have Rob Bell in an issue yeah. and have Andy Stanley in the same issue, you're, you're going to tick off both sides, you know, the, yeah. the people who love each of those people are going to be mad that the other one's in there. And it's just like, we should listen to them. We should not that we have to intake everything chew the meat, spit out the bones, but at least you understand other perspectives on scripture or worldview or, you know, how Christians should engage culture, you know, things like that. You should be challenged and stretched and then have discernment and make up your own mind and don't just yeah. like intake whatever somebody tells you to think, you know, think for yourself. That's what I've always tried to do with Relevant. And that's why this era of media is so frustrating to me. It's like the people who look at the Kaepernick situation and only see it, like you said, Annie, as completely justified that this guy's disrespecting the flag. And it's like, that that has nothing to do, but you don't know that. You haven't listened to somebody who's explained to you the other perspective here, the other reality yeah. here. And so, yeah, you're, in your mind, justified in your righteous indignation. And it's like... Yeah, I understand that, but your but but frankly, your information is wrong, and so like you're upset about the wrong thing. And what is the thing that can cut through that noise and actually make make people listen and again? I don't know. In this day and age, I mean, it's going more and more and more where you withdraw from somebody who who sees the world differently than you. You will not even consider their perspective, and I'm making stronger and stronger you know kind of barriers in between you know segments of society, and it's like. Man, I mean, like, I really feel like a calling to try to break those things down. That's what I'm trying to do with my life is like trying to break those walls down. And it's very frustrating that it's getting more and more the other way right now.
4: And and, and because I think a lot of people have this idea that uh, consuming media and consuming content is an implicit endorsement of the creators of that content, right? Right, So, like, there's this false narrative that's like, well, let's say I'm watching. CNN. Well, it's barely that, that, a
2: false narrative because if I post a book by an author that my followers don't agree with their theology I get chewed up
4: yeah but 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 again like if I'm like if I'm like watching CNN and you know or Fox News or whatever the example is in a family member I can't believe you're watching that it's like it doesn't mean I'm endorsing it like if I'm reading like Jordan Peterson it doesn't mean I'm, I'm endorsing him but I want to Ooh. know where other people's perspectives are are formed, even if I think the person who uh, is behind it is saying things that are problematic like I at least owe it to myself to come up with uh to to have an informed perspective so that I can combat an ideology if it comes to that you know
1: and have empathy and understanding for the for the person who maybe doesn't have all the information and you're not like or you're dumb and you're whatever you're going well let me like try to communicate this info in a way that you'll you know, be open to, you know, like it's, it's important to understand where people are coming from. It's important to sit down with like a Muslim refugee family and listen to their story and not go, Oh, they're Muslims and they're scary and stay away. I mean, it's like humanize people understand where they're coming from and have some empathy. I also
2: think it's fair that we were careful not to just call the people on the other side, rednecks who aren't paying attention.
1: Yeah, no, that's true.
2: Right? Because true. there's a reason all those people are believing what they're believing, even though I agree that they are wrong. I want you to hear me clearly. Yeah. I agree that they're wrong. But there's a reason something in their narrative is making them feel safe and taken care of and like they live in a country that they can uh, succeed in if they believe that side of the story.
3: And I think that's where where the the idea of speaking the truth in love becomes so important because I find that most Christians in this country are really good at one or the other. We're either really good at speaking the truth, but we do it in such a, a a cruel ham-fisted judgmental way that nobody cares. Or we want to be so loving that we don't want to tell people the truth about what, about what uh, is actually going on. And, and, the trick of the gospel, of how Jesus t- told us to communicate with each other and with, and even with people who are or outside the Christian community, is to do both at the same time. It's not an easy thing to do. Uh, that's why it takes a lot of work and takes a lot of being attuned to what to to how God is shaping you and teaching you how to listen and creating you to be more and more like His Son. But it's it's valuable, and I think the current divisiveness, not only within this country but within our own faith group, is has gotten to where it is because we we do not practice that very well well
4: hey, hey, but and hey, look at Paul You know, Paul would go through, you know, there's a story where he's, you know, on his missionary journeys trying to spread the gospel. And his entry point wasn't, hey, everyone, you're wrong about everything. And I have the truth now. And here's what it is. He used cultural entry points from philosophies that he didn't agree with. And the implication is that he was familiar with them to the degree that he could discuss them with people. And he met people where they were at. And in order to, do that he had to understand how their views and values were formed and i think that's a powerful example of
2: and fascinating what happened to him right yeah (laughs) he spends his life in jail because he was everyone he was the what is what is the scripture he's i want to be every man to every person right like he tried to balance those two things you just said tyler and it put him in jail
3: yeah, it doesn't always work. Right. I mean, no, it, it doesn't does always work. it doesn't, it always, doesn't
2: have always have the results. benefit your it doesn't personal always have the result. life. That's right. That's right.
1: Precisely. In case you missed it.
5: <laughs> big bounce here. Big, big bounce, bounce here. Small I gotta go.
1: <laughs> uh this week Michael W. Smith, I I had no transit no segue. No segue. Sorry. No segue uh, Michael W. Smith explained how a nervous breakdown led him back to faith. Uh, the Christian music legend plays a pastor in the new film, beautifully broken. And while describing the importance of faith adjacent films, is that the new term now? Faith well, adjacent. Well, well films? he did. I think he
4: took some issue with the idea of it being called a Christian movie, um, because. And this actually, like Variety, actually gave this a really, really good review. Um, but, but I think that you know, in in calling this one more faith adjacent, I think he he doesn't want people to go in with a perspective that it's necessarily like evangelizing to them, you know?
1: Gotcha. So it's not like church groups buy blocks of tickets.
4: I mean, they, and, they might be. I mean, that's certainly possible. I mean, he's still, you know, talking to Christian media outlets and he's but uh, I mean, in, you know, I think in the in the quote that you'll read here, he kind of says what he thinks is wrong with the whole idea with, with with I won't say this. I don't think he has any problem with the term Christian movie. I think he has a problem with the movies that are largely associated with that term. Gotcha.
1: Uh, anyway, so he 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 uh, He's, he was describing the importance of those films being transparent about real struggles, and he opened up about a dark chapter in his own life. Uh, he said, I was playing with fire in the late 70s and I had a near-death experience and began to pray that God would rescue me because I knew I would die if something didn't change. At the time, he was uh, struggling with drugs and alcohol abuse. He said, uh, Then I had this nervous breakdown beyond uh, honestly. It was just that God came and he laid down beside me on the floor in my kitchen as I wept and convulsed for three hours from midnight to three in the morning. I haven't been the same since I got up off that floor. Uh, Michael Dubbs, the Dubs, uh, said that more Christian-leaning films would benefit from showing the difficult aspects of life. Uh, he said, everybody's got stuff going on in their lives, every believer, every non-believer. I mean, you can't just avoid it. Uh, we live in a broken world, and unfortunately, that's my problem with a lot of faith-based films that seem to be nicely wrapped up in a bow. You don't really get the raw things of what's going on in people's lives, and that's what I love about this movie. So there you go. Yeah. yeah.
4: Like I said, the, the, the movie um, is getting pretty, pretty good reviews. Uh, the, you know, It's definitely different than I think some of the movies that he seems to be um, criticizing that that are, are typically thought of as faith based that yeah everything wraps up really neat and nicely at the end and everyone's better and everyone's life is automatically better because they said a magic prayer you know i think yeah. he's trying to tell a story beyond just that
2: i saw him right. interviewed last week like a q and a with about 40ish people in the room and i was so impressed because i thought man this guy's been doing this faith like a public faith life for 40 years Right Not not to count the like yeah. how long he was a believer before he became a public musician. I th- and I, I don't know, I'm just impressed when people finish, you know <laughs> like there's uh, uh, our church is like the staff is doing the one year Bible, and I never sit down and read it because I I just am not great at that. So I listened to the audio of it. and this morning, one of the scriptures it read to me was, um, finishing is more important than starting. And I was like, "Gosh, that is like it's from Ecclesiastes." And I was like, "Man, that is it." And that's what I think about when I think about Michael W. Smith. Like he's he's gonna finish really well in a lot of years, not anytime soon. But but just his his perseverance and his tenacity and honest stuff, like what you what you said, Cameron, about him having panic attacks. And I don't know. I I've loved him for a long time. He was like my very first Christian artist that I owned tapes of back in the eighties. But mm-hmm. I've never been more impressed with him as a human. And, like, as a man of God, than I am after hearing him last week
4: well and and even his willingness to criticize you know part of what you know what's looked at as like the Christian entertainment industry with you know these movies for him, yeah. and because of his career, that might be somewhat of a risk, but he's calling it, he's calling it he's saying what's true, you know um, and I think it's it's good that he's willing to do that
1: yeah. was see your first like c c m crush
2: Annie? For sure, no question. <laughs> I thought he was so cute. I listened to all because I I like Stephen Curtis Chapman too, but he just wasn't like my type. So it was
4: more. You want to hear he my man. Michael W. Smith impression? It's <laughs> pretty. It's pretty good. Well, I, close <laughs> your <pretty> eyes. eyes. <laughs> you won't be able right, to all close right. your eyes.
1: All right. tell the difference.
4: My place in this world, place <laughs> in this. <laughs>
2: Oh, uh, wow, you're good. like every other person who comes on the show and does impressions. He's, got, he's got like the,
4: the, <laughs> right, the saltines on the throat, you guys yeah. know what I'm talking about, Chandler. You gotta play a clip, take us out. <laughs> <laughs> <What>
5: <laughs> <are> <laughs> your <laughs> eyes are watering, <laughs> you're eyes so watering right by now, Jesse. literally, Did Chandler. Take
4: us out on a clip, and people will be like, "Which one's Jesse? Did he just put a music pad behind Jesse's vocals? That's incredible."
1: I couldn't figure out in the 80s how how um, uh, the dubs got his voice to sound like he was eating saltines all the time. Like, it was like, how, like, how does he do that? Calling to the dark
4: Jesse to find my you. place in this world.
2: <laughs> okay, to be fair, that one was better. That was, your, that was better than the first one, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesse, that feels like, correct me if I'm wrong, my next conspiracy theory, that feels like you've practiced that. Oh, yeah. Uh,
4: he brings hours, that out in the You know, yeah. Annie's yeah, Annie waiting for this moment and it arrived. The long con. You you know, the thing. I, you know, I don't know if a little, you know, trip behind the curtain. I, I, I set up these in case you missed it bits and it's like, you know, if this one was first in the lineup, they would know yeah. that he just did it to yeah. finally unveil the impression after years. I nested it right at the end of a good discussion to be like, so that I'd blindside you all. It's, it's the long con has finally paid off. I tender my resignation. And I'm on to the next con.
1: <laughs> the, uh, the next thing you need to do is adopt an Australian
4: accent. <laughs> hey, I I have, theory, I have I have learned the lesson the hard way not to do that. And by the lesson the hard way, I mean big bone, small bone. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, it's strike three with him. It's strike three,
1: and I've only got one strike too. So oh, I, I'm really glad that this episode is going to come out on the day uh, the the day that Forking Country is in our studio because there's no chance they will have heard it before they arrive and they, there's no chance that they will know anything about the ridiculousness of what we have espoused about. Oh,
3: they know. <laughs> don't, they don't. have ears don't. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> have you not been paying attention this entire
1: time? <laughs> Alright, well that'll do it for In Case You Missed. It. Stay tuned. Up next, Craig Rochelle joins us. I may, don't know if I even care for groaning, If it's just alone Listening to Alicia Cara, the song is "Growing Pains." It's the Bravo remix from her new remixes album. At the beginning of the podcast, you're at Interpol with their new one. If you really love nothing, Craig Rochelle is a pastor of Life Church, a multi-site church that draws more than fifty thousand people each week. I don't know; you might have heard of it. Uh, in his new book, "Hope in the Dark," it, he explores how to maintain a belief that God is good even when life seems bad. Fascinating conversation. Here is part of our conversation with Craig Groeschel.
3: Craig, let's start off by talking a little bit about Hope in the Dark. I was reading that you had actually written this book uh, uh, some time ago, but didn't feel like it was quite the right time to release it for the rest of us. Can you tell me a little bit about that story?
6: Yeah, Tyler, I I actually started... Um, when I first wrote it it wasn't intended to be a book there's a, a lady that works in my office uh, named Adrian Manning who's kind of like family to me and she um, and her husband Danny were trying to conceive for a long time and they finally did and so we were like really excited and celebrating with them and uh, then a while later she came in and said that they lost the baby and she was a relatively uh, new believer at the time and so not only was it tragic, but it was really rattled her faith. Mm-hmm. And so I gave her some time off, obviously, to, to um, grieve and, and you know, just, just spend some time with her husband. And so I decided to write a letter to her, just try to try to bring some comfort. And what started out, I thought it would be a few pages, turned into a lot of pages. And when she came back in, I gave her the letter and she um, went home and read it overnight with her husband. And she came back in the next day and she just said, this is probably the difference between me staying with my faith and me walking Mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. So I was really um, thankful that, you know, the letter served its purpose. It really ministered to her. Well, I left it uh, just on a computer, didn't talk about it. Literally years went by, Tyler. And um, a few years ago, uh, a little over two years ago, my daughter, Mandy, uh, my second daughter, I've I've got six kids. Mandy, um, right before she was getting married, got really sick. And we thought she'd get better, you know, a week or two or whatever. And she didn't. And several months went by and she still hadn't improved. And it was, you know, horrible for all of us wondering what in the world is going on with this this sweet girl. So I went and thought, I'll pick up that letter I wrote to Adrian and just kind of see what I said to her. And it was so crazy. The letter that I wrote to someone else it seemed like words that someone else wrote for me. Hmm. Um, I, I tried all the way through it and it really spoke to me, even some of the struggles that I was having with it all. And, um, that's what I called the publisher and said, Hey, would you be open to me making this letter into a book? And so that was the beginning of, um, the book, hope in the dark, believing God is good when life is not.
3: Believing God is good when life is not. That is such a, common struggle and and always has been a common struggle for as long as there's been a church, God's church on earth there's been that struggle with doubt um, Mm -hmm. about why, uh, how can we reconcile these two truths that seem to be in in apparent contrast with each other Um, why do you think that's such a that's haunted the church for its existence and what are some of the, the, without giving away too much of the book what are some of the conclusions or the things that, that you came to while writing this book to help us with that struggle?
6: What's interesting? This is I've done a lot of books, and I haven't had one that seemed to hit hearts as directly as this one. Mm-hmm. And part part of what I tell people is this book is not for everybody. If your if your life's good right now, it's not for you. You know, at least not right now. And the I, I think I think the reason this is such a common question is a couple of reasons. I think one is. Kind of in what I would call like our American version of Christianity or or our Western version of Christianity, there's kind of this implied belief that if I follow God, that only good things should happen to me. If I, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blanks, read my Bible, give money to the poor, go to church, do good things, serve somewhere, then, then God needs to do good things. Uh, and if he doesn't, then either God isn't good, he doesn't care, or I must have done something wrong. And that's the the implication. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just really bad theology. I think, Tyler, the other big reason is, um, and your question is exactly the question that we all ask. You, you said something like, "What's what's the conclusion? And we all want some kind of neat answer at the end where everything works out fine. And I think that's the reason why this book is ministering to people because there isn't a why there's no conclusion. There's no resolution. Um, the the book hope in the dark is, is based loosely off the book of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk is one of the most beautiful, powerful, and yet frustrating books in the Bible because there's no, and then God does the miracle at the end story. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's where so many of us live. In fact, what, what I'd hoped to do, honestly was at the end of the book, after I'd turned it in, like right before it was published, was write an afterword or uh, put, in, put in an appendix. Um, now here's what happened to my daughter, Mandy. Now God made her all better. And praise God, here's the happy ending. And that doesn't exist in the book and it doesn't exist in real life.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: And that's where so many people live. They, they still battle depression. They still hurt after a divorce. They still grieve the loss of a loved one. And God, God may bring comfort, but it doesn't always just work out with a perfect, happy fairy tale spiritual ending. And I, th- I think I think there's power in that. In fact, just the name Habakkuk, the, the book's based on the, the Old Testament minor prophet Habakkuk. The name Habakkuk means both to wrestle and to embrace. Um, and in the book, what I'm trying to do is give believers permission to go ahead and wrestle with the unanswered questions, to go ahead and wrestle with doubts, um, to push back on God at times and say, I don't, you know, why, why are you allowing this? Why aren't you doing something? But at the same time, we wrestle, we don't let go of God. We, we, we can wrestle with him for things we don't understand, but we continue to embrace him. And I think this is, that's the power of the gospels, the power of, of this message. And um, yeah, I'm thankful that it, it is speaking to some people in a, in a really significant way.
3: I think something that that's been a struggle of mine as someone who's grown up with the church struggle with a lot of people who grew up in the church is you don't, the, those stories aren't the ones that are told right the testimonies yeah. that are shared they get the fancy videos or people go on stage they have a cool ending and it's exciting and, and you and it's and it's worth praising God over but uh but you don't hear the the flip side or or the other side of that which has been so many of our experiences where there's not really a, a happy ending or even maybe an ending at all it, it just sort of like you mentioned with Habakkuk it, it just sort of continues and doesn't really get that coda um What are some ways that you think we can we can sort of change our mentality as an American church to open ourselves up to the sort of faith that you talk about and hope in the dark?
6: Well, I think we I think we need to walk in the tension that God is always a good God. Anything's possible with God. He is a God who does miracles, and we rejoice in those. Um, At the same time, uh, our faith isn't based just on God giving us the desired outcome. Our faith needs to be based on who He is, His character, His nature, His goodness, His sovereignty. You know, from my perspective, Tyler. Since I am a preacher, I, I did notice this, and I have to kind of confess and almost give a, a negative critique on my preaching. Almost all the sermons I preach do have the, and here's the, here's the God miracle at the mm-hmm. end. And so, I taught on the Book of Habakkuk in our church, and the first week I explained this is not a sitcom sermon. What's a sitcom sermon? I just, I've made that up. But, you know, in a sitcom, generally speaking, all the problems are resolved in 30 minutes or less, including commercial breaks. You know, in most of our sermons in this part of the world, they're kind of resolved at the end with a, you know, a Romans eight twenty eight and God works all things together for good. And that's always true uh, but the good isn't always the good we want it to to, to be. Mm-hmm. And so, I just re- I left every message hanging with a, and then Habakkuk still had a question, and at the end of chapter mm-hmm. one, it wasn't it was mm-hmm. an answered. At the end of chapter two, he was still waiting on God to do what God said he was going to do. At the end of chapter three, which was pretty powerful, um, he has this kind of, it, it, there's a word at the beginning of chapter three um, that is the word shijanoth that's used one time in the Bible. It's basically basically a description of how to praise. And it's this like full body um, with everything in you praise. And this is what Habakkuk does is he he says, God, even though the fig tree doesn't isn't going to blossom, even though the grapes aren't going to be on the vine. In, in other words, any, any even though all these bad things are going to happen to me, yet I will praise you. And that's one of the most powerful things, even though there's not a happy ending, even though the prayer that I wanted you to answer is never answered, I'll still praise you. It's not a sitcom sermon, and yet he's got this real revelation of who God is, but it was not anywhere close to the American happy ending. I got a better job with benefits, new house, and a car that drives itself, you know.
1: That was Craig Rochelle. Make sure to check out his new book, Hope in the Dark. It's out now. You're listening to Noah Cyrus and Lil Xan. The song is Live or Die. All right, well, it's time. Well, normally, this would be the time for your listener of the week. But uh, as you learned on last, last Wednesday's show, something more pressing came along. And we decided that Jesse should become, for a little while, your life coach. Yeah. And, oh, uh, this and, is terrible. And we, we went, you guys went to Twitter to ask Jesse your questions that you need some life coaching on. Uh, we decided we would pick uh, one uh, maybe for the next couple weeks. You know, mm-hmm. we'll see how this goes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you guys that used hashtag ask Jesse and uh Posited your problem. We just
2: problems, have to sit here and let him ruin people's lives. No, he's life coaching them. This is
1: a good and helpful
2: yeah, exercise. Exactly.
3: This is a positive thing. All right, Annie. I'm not going to say a word. I'm hoping to pick up a little like kind of residual wisdom. Annie,
4: you're Annie, I welcome your. Uh, I, I, I say your feedback and criticism, but I mean it's probably just be admiration. But uh, whatever you need to say. say.
5: <laughs> okay.
4: All right. Okay. So
1: the tweet that caught our eye uh, for this debut edition of Ask Jesse was from McKenna need. Uh, welcome to the show, McKenna. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Um, I'm going to, uh, read your, your question here, but before I do that, uh, where are you calling us from?
7: I'm calling you guys from Denver, Colorado.
1: Denver, Colorado. Denver, okay, nice. Okay. Beautiful this time Love of year. Love Denver. Mile, <laughs> high. Mile high. Mile high. Mile high. <laughs> Way up there. Mile. Way on up. I know.
5: <laughs> Way <familiar>. up there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Very familiar. Wonderful airport. Uh, okay. So I'm going to read McKenna's uh, problem for Astra okay. Here we go. She says, I'm going into my junior year of school and I'm soon to be transferring to a tiny Christian college. I'm nervous about breaking into the community there. Jesse, how do I make a big first impression and set myself up <laughs> oh, no. for success for McKenna, the next two I can, years? I can see the wheels turning already. This is, oh. well, McKenna, what a great question. What a great <laughs> question. A great question. question. How did you right are experienced in going no to a Christian college, Ever. Jesse, so you know. Yeah,
4: I, I I totally know. McKenna, let me ask you this. How comfortable are you coming up in, uh, with an Australian accent? And <laughs> <laughs> I
5: feel like if I, do, I have some time
7: to practice still, so I think I could get that ready. I think I could do it. We've talked yeah, that's that's said on
4: this episode about how exotic the Australian people are. So what you need? So this is advice one. Uh, Christian culture is fascinated with Australians. You yeah, know. You, especially in Christian culture. There's a Bible school you're going to. Christians love Australians. Like no further than Hillsong. Right. You're setting right. yourself up for success, but you'll also need a backstory, and you'll need to commit to the accent. Uh, you, you have two years there, McKenna.
7: <laughs> yes, two years.
4: The other thing to do is to maintain it is to, right before graduation, disappear and never return. And you will live forever <laughs> in their stories. You're like, remember that cool Australian girl, Ow. McKenna, who who had the Australian accent? She had an exotic backstory about, uh, uh, you know, growing up in the outback and surfing and uh, hunting crocodiles. And then two days before graduation, she left a note and disappeared. Now, this one requires you not to get your degree. Are you comfortable with that? <laughs>
5: That's
7: pretty Uh, reasonable
4: because you could graduate and go on to a career in ministry, or you could not graduate and go on as a legend. Which one sounds Uh, uh, poor? Which one's better? Oh, I love it. Okay, so here, so the other one, you know, let's say you don't have that level of commitment. I understand, Annie. First off, what is your feelings about that advice? First off, Annie.
2: Admiration, pure yeah, admiration. That's what I thought.
4: That's what I, 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 okay. I, I think it was. Uh, speechlessness is what I was getting from you, uh, McKenna. I, yeah, this yeah, one, yeah. this I one, li-
2: I'm taking it all if in. You don't,
5: <laughs> if you <laughs> don't have that level just of long-term
4: commitment, which, which, look, I understand. I understand. Um, you know, I, here's another one. It's, it's a, you said this is a tiny uh, Christian college. What, what are you getting your degree in there, McKenna? Uh, education. Okay, so you're gonna, you're, you're Hi, your girl. plan is to be a teacher. Yes. What I love about this one is this one will carry you over to the first, you, you know, this will carry over to your first teaching job as well. Okay. Um, okay, I'm ready. You, you, you know what, you know, I, I have a lot of experience in Christian, uh, uh, college, right? So I went, I went to Oral Roberts University. It's a little bit of larger. It's probably mid-range school. Um, uh, but here's who I found out are automatically the coolest kids in Christian colleges. Okay. <laughs> The bad kids, the ones that come on—that's yeah, right. the one everyone's to hang out with. So here's what you do, McKenna. First day, okay. You do you have access to a hot rod or uh, at least a rental car of some sort?
7: Yes, absolutely.
4: Okay, what you need to yeah. do.
2: See, McKenna's an all yes kind of girl. Yeah. I, I like her. I like She's, her.
4: Can do, is do is attitude. Yeah, So, McKenna, here's here's what you're gonna need for this. You need to get a really rad leather jacket. Is that gonna be a problem? Oh, I have one. I'm ready. Yes. Okay. She has a hot rod. She has a leather jacket. So hot rod leather jacket. Here's what you need to do. Um you need to show up. Don't show up on moving day whenever all the other people are. You'll blend in there. Everyone's too focused on moving in. Start the first day. Or do they have chapels at this school? McKenna?
7: Yes, do they do.
4: Okay. Here's you need to start the first day of the first chapel, and you show up five minutes before the chapel service is gonna start, speeding across the campus in the hot rod. You got it so far? (laughs)
2: Because everybody is outside. Everybody's outside (laughs) the chapel. chapel.
4: Here's what you (laughs) need to do, McKenna. You need to go flying up to the chapel, slam on the brakes, do a sweet donut, pop out of the car, and then lean up against the side, real cool, like in your leather jacket. And you ask somebody, where is everyone going? going and someone goes oh it's the first chapel you go like this nah and then you just lean up all cool on the car now here's what's cool I hope you're not offended by this when they come out of the chapel and you're leaning up against the hot rod with your leather jacket you need to be vaping I don't know if you're comfortable with this <laughs> but that's going to send the message McKenna's the cool, oh the cool bad girl are you comfortable with this McKenna
7: I feel like this is all gold I'm ready to go
4: because what's going to wow. happen is you're looked at as, as the, the, the cool outlaw in right. uh, a, a school full of squares, and everyone's going to want to be your friend. And even if people don't want to be your friend, a lot of people are going to be trying to reach out to you because they think yeah, that, that's like right. they have that, that you know good Christian missionary sense about them. Either way, you're going to be the most popular kid on campus Yeah, instantly. that's what it
2: is. That's why the bad boy is so attractive at a Christian school, because you can missionary date <laughs> yeah.
4: him. Yeah, yeah. McKenna how do you see like I feel like this you'll have your are are you are you single McKenna
2: yes I am
4: you you see this will help you
2: all those guys who want to be pastors oh yeah Oh over. yeah, they, they're all yeah couch. exactly. You're the hot ticket on campus now,
4: McKenna. I'm setting you up for such success, and all you need is three accessories. <laughs> I mean, here's can I can I tell you one thing that would also help uh your you know kind of foster this image when they're coming out of chapel? If you're not comfortable with vaping, how about this? You're sitting on the trunk of the car reading Love Wins by Robin. <laughs> Are you comfortable with that? <laughs> 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 oh man.
5: How do you, feel? How do you whose feel about car, that, Jesse? McKenna.
2: Whose car is it, though? Because she's on a motorcycle. So is she like the Dean's car? Yeah, yeah.
4: You're, you're just outside Chapel. Everyone's like, okay, this McKenna, she's bad news. And that's good news for you. <laughs> that's
2: funny,
4: man. McKenna, how, I mean, how comfortable are you with this life advice?
7: I feel like probably... I'm ready to go go to school now. I have like three months to prep for this, and so I could go tomorrow. Though, like I'm I'm ready. Just got a, some time to work on that Australian Wait, you accent. Have three now. months. I don't understand yeah, what you're, school you're, this is that starts so, in December. <laughs> I'm transferring in January. I'm gonna. I'm actually coming to Nashville. I'm going to Lipscomb, and so
2: I'll be oh, I'll be I'm there in January. Watch this front hey serious.
5: disregard all that advice
4: here's the other thing annie mentioned motorcycle (laughs) if you can get a motorcycle it would be really cool especially three months is adequate time to learn to do a sweet wheelie everyone will think that's that's killer
1: what uh what uh nashvillians what what's different about lipscomb i mean i know like belmont i don't know what's different about lipscomb
2: it's church of christ so they
1: right yeah, so very they, ta-
2: they, they have chapel and there's no instruments. And, oh. but the, I mean, I have a ton of friends who went there, really lovely people. So I think it's going to, I think it ups,
3: I think it increases yeah. the necessity yeah, of doing all these things. This is pure survival now. Yeah.
4: <laughs> here, it, McKenna, if my advice doesn't work, just name drop and
2: <laughs> <laughs> well no, no, no. <laughs> but I'll see you at basketball games because I love going to Lipscomb basketball games because a I buddy guess. of mine is on the team. If I don't get kicked out of the school before then, I will definitely
5: see you there. <laughs> well, <if I've> <laughs> junior, you'll,
2: you'll have plenty of time. If you can just make it one week, we'll go to a but, game. But here,
4: uh, but can I la- one last thing. What? So what grade do you, want, do you envision yourself teaching after graduation?
2: Uh, probably early childhood.
4: So the little guys. Okay. Cause I was going to say you can employ the same strategy and be really cool with the students, but that typically works if you're a high school student, but yeah. you could do it and you'd be the coolest teacher on, uh, you know, among teachers. So this works at multiple <laughs> stages in life. Yeah. it's um,
2: good. He's
7: not wrong. So <laughs> A motorcycle in Australian accent for small kids sounds like, Road to success for sure.
4: (laughs) You really can't go wrong. I mean, this is fantastic (laughs) advice, McKenna. I hope we are allowed to check in with you in three months. If you're not expelled, let us know (laughs) how it all works.
7: I'm working on that accent up until the
2: day I'm there.
7: There you go. And listen, the one here's my one piece
2: of advice it's not near as good as Jesse's, obviously, but. There's a place here called Baja Burrito. Go eat there. They're the best burritos. That's all I can give you. The rest of it, you should do exactly what Jesse says. Perfect.
7: Okay. Baja Burrito, motorcycles, Australian accents. I'm ready.
1: All right. Well, thanks for yeah, uh, uh, sending us your Ask Jesse life coaching question, McKenna. All, all the best as you start your new chapter at Lipscomb. Please don't get kicked out.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> thanks so much, guys. we got a couple of waivers we need you to sign before
5: yeah. you hang up. <laughs>
1: hey, if you, if you want uh, advice uh, for your life, to be enriched in some way, uh, hit us up at Relevant Podcast and use hashtag Ask Jesse, and we will select listeners next week too. I, I look forward s- to helping. <laughs> I feel like that was really good <laughs> advice.
4: Annie, real talk. I mean,
2: I've never heard anyone given the advice to start vaping. So to go from, I'm telling
4: her how to, <laughs> to be the baddest cool kid on the Christian yeah. college campus. Annie, yeah. you have to you be willing
1: it. to have some moral compromises. I'm
4: sorry. I'm
5: nothing short of impressed. Wow.
1: Maybe don't do ask Jesse. Okay. Um, Thanks to Craig Groeschel for joining us. His new book, Hope in the Dark, is out now. You can also follow him on Twitter at Craig Groeschel. If you haven't seen his name spelled, good luck phonetically spelling that one.
4: Hey, the newest word "gross." I'll, let me spell it for you, Cameron. It's imagine you found like a gross clam, like a, a disgusting clam. And you're like "gross shell." Oh, that's no, nailed it.
2: Nothing like that. Like Not how you spell <laughs> it. It's it's nothing
1: uh, helpful.
5: Uh, nothing like that. <laughs> <defense>. <laughs> that's
2: phonetically, phonetically true. That is going to make you. It's a
1: slimy, slimy. You're going to get
2: a weird guy on shell. Twitter if you follow that guy. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> oh wait, Cameron! I do
4: have a feeling we may be talking to. The yeah, boss, I was going to say you shell. misbooked <laughs> it. <laughs> Those, <laughs> this guy was wondering this why Relevant magazine wanted to. But he was excited yeah. to talk about his, uh, it. Was yeah. in the notes,
1: so.
5: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, Hey, the
1: new issue of Relevant is out now. It features Johnny Swim on the cover and a lot of other great content. Uh, we have Foster the People in the issue. We have uh, W. Kamau Bell. We have uh, man, Bo Burnham's in the issue. Just it's stacked. It's stacked. Christine Kane, uh, Hillsong Young and Free. I mean, it's a ton. You can view the issue online at relevantmagazine.com or you can pick it up at newsstands nationwide. And right now, if you go to the website, there's a great subscription deal going on. Um, if you've been listening to the show and you like it, you'll like the magazine a lot better. Uh, go subscribe. Support it. Um, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And I'm Annie F. Downs. We will see you on Tuesday.
2: My place
7: in this world, place in this,
5: sorry. Relevant
7: Podcast Network.